Hi, this is Michael Dorn, Lieutenant Commander Worf from Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Earl Grey, hot. A special Trek.fm Earl Grey event announcement for Star Trek Las Vegas. Listeners, you know Bridgemates from Earl Grey episodes 82, 109, and 141, as well as To the Journey, 117, and Standard Orbit 102. There is even the original trivia panel show Encounter at All Good Things from Earl Grey 137. So Earl Grey is proud to announce a live presentation of Super Bridgemates at the Star Trek Las Vegas 50th Anniversary Convention on Friday, August 5th, from 12.30 to 1.15 p.m. It will be held at the Roddenberry Stage at Quark's Bar at the Rio. Your favorite team here at Earl Grey of Free Enterprise will attempt to escape defeat, again, against two rival Bridgemate teams, Team Lizard Babies, Charlene Schmidt and Tristan Riddell, and the Council of Mistresses, Andy Vanderkolk and Jarrah Hodge. When it comes to celebrating the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, regular Bridgemates simply won't do. And that's why this game show will be Super Bridgemates, a fun-filled comedic game show involving fans, cosplayers, and audience members. Not only will the teams compete in hilarious trivia, but those in the audience will participate by acting out selected scenes from our favorite Star Trek moments, and cosplayers will help create puzzles for the teams to solve. It's all about the love of Trek. So we hope all the listeners who will be coming to Star Trek Las Vegas will join us, Earl Grey, and all your favorite co-hosts and fellow listeners for Super Bridgemates at Star Trek Las Vegas at the Roddenberry Stage. Welcome to another serving of Earl Grey, where we talk all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm Philip Gilfus, and I would be in the center seat of the bridge if I was on duty, but I'm actually in my captain's quarters today. And, you know, in this informal setting, I'm joined by my talented co-host, Darren Moser, who seems to be leafing through my Shakespeare book. How are you doing, Darren? I'm I'm doing well. You know, surprisingly, it's actually true. You haven't experienced Shakespeare until you've heard it in the original Klingon. Uh, you, you and your audiobooks. Now, I'm also joined by my awesome co-host, Daniel Pru, who is wearing um, his usual off-duty outfit. Uh, how are you doing, Daniel? And doesn't that thing feel drafty? You know, Philip, I've got to tell you, we are mid-summer here, and uh, it is quite hot, so the draft is, is, is quite pleasant, I must say. Oh, goodness. You and your rise aware. Well, uh, the reason your Earl Grey crew has left the bridge dark this week is because this is our last show before we live for Star Trek Las Vegas. Um, I I thought this was a great time after 150 episodes of Talking Next Gen, you know, whether it's the characters, the technology, the social morality aspects, games, and all things in between, to reflect 
on the enduring popularity of TNG. So guys, you know, this marks the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, and next year is the 30th anniversary of TNG itself. You know, so well, like, why are we still talking about these things in 2016? It's like theoretically doing a podcast about it every single week for three years, you know? So um, I, this is just going to be a roundtable here since we're in the quarters here. Maybe we'll have a spirited discussion about the Prime Directive. Maybe Daniel will try and call a pen pal. We don't know. Things are going to be unpredictable this episode. So Daniel! <laughs> so, like, you know, we'll just start with the big questions and go from there. So, Darren, I'm going to throw the big, big, big softball to you. How do you explain TNG's enduring popularity? Well, I think one of the interesting things about TNG, I mean, it just in Star Trek in general, being a franchise of 50 years is, you know, we're seeing it now as, as we prepare for, I was going to say Star Trek 2017, but now we have a title, Star Trek Discovery. As we prepare for Star Trek Discovery, I can't help but think back to the summer of, you know, 87 as, you know, they're hearing in the newspapers, I guess, is where you would hear such things, you know, about this new Star <laughs> the, Trek the show. The <laughs> These new, this new Star Trek show that didn't have Kirk and didn't have Spock. And, and I think our fandom getting through that and being able to embrace new things and a new crew and a new ship and a new setting really turned a corner in what it is to be a Star Trek show. And all that to say, I think because of that and then because of, it was like 28 years or so stretch that we maybe I'm carrying the zero too much, but there was a huge stretch that we had solid Star Trek on television with between Enterprise and Voyager and Deep Space Nine and Next Gen and movies. And it was, it was awesome. So I think that momentum just really solidified, you know, Star Trek. But, but I, I think, I mean, as we all agree that we enjoy the Next Gen as, as our favorite series, that it launched that. And, and and other people may disagree that it's the best or or their favorite, and that's you know that's per personal opinion. But the where it is in the history of the franchise of saying, look, we can tell more stories, we can tell new stories, and I think I'm hoping that Star Trek Discovery does that for this next generation. And I'm glad they didn't call it the next next generation because I mean that's really not a good title. But but no, I feel that next gen the TNG helped propel this into really a franchise. I mean, both literally, but also, you know, emotionally. All right. Now, Daniel, you know, we, we talk about this course every week, but you know, this, this show, this is a show. TNG is set in the 24th century, the future made in the late eighties and early nineties. So we, we've talked about this all, but, but do the characters, do they still hold up? Do you think? Yeah, totally. Um, you know what? That's, a common criticism, right, of TNG is that the characters uh, are kind of stuffy, right? And uh, <laughs> not now, but <laughs> and too perfect, and all of this stuff. You know, I, man, I, I I understand where people are coming from when they say those kinds of things, but I couldn't disagree more. It's it's part of why I love these characters so much. These people are the best of the best in the future. I mean, in this optimistic utopian future, we get to kind of spend our time with these awesome characters uh, who, who aren't perfect, certainly, and they never were. 
uh, you know, criticism kind of puts a little blanket over that, but uh, but they but they are an ideal to strive for, in the words of Picard, right? And uh, Picard especially, but of course it trickles down to all the other characters as well. Uh, it, 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 that it's that outlook, it's that optimism, it's that uh, it's that uh, kind of positivity is one of the reasons I think the show was supremely popular, even in the beginning when it wasn't super awesome, and uh, still remains to this day uh, an amazing piece of television history. Now, Darren, like, what do you think, what, you know, in 2016, when you're watching TNG on, on your streaming device or whatever, do you make... S- in beautiful HD quality. That's right. Um, <laughs> are, there so certain, are there certain, like, allowances you make? Like, that? do you filter, like, oh, well, that's... I mean, that's 1991. I mean, okay. Masks. Oh, sorry, you're asked, Darren. Sorry, sorry about that. I mean, I think everyone always gives allowances to the things that they enjoy the most. And there's no such thing as a, as a perfect series or a perfect episode. But I think to just enjoy watching something that you enjoy and not have to over-critique it, just to be like, oh, you know what, I want to... I want to watch a cool cliffhanger. I'm going to pop in one of the season finales or I want to watch a data episode and there's tons of those, you know, that that's what's so fun about watching something that you enjoy is you can just enjoy it. You don't have to podcast about it every week for three years. You can, and that can be fun as well, but just, wow, I don't feel that this podcast would have worked if it was just one person talking for three years. It's, it has to be the three of us has to be, multiple people you know sharing their you know their discussion and their view i mean we have very different views and different parts of star trek fiction that we like the best and i think that's what's helped this show do so well but yeah for allowances i would say you know a little bit of the effects which still hold up fairly well Especially a little HD. bit of the <laughs> oh man look at the i can read the screens i mean they i'm just saying the phaser is coming out of the wrong end why can't we fix that <laughs> but i mean i i do think though you know in some of the earlier seasons as they were trying to get their footing and the acting you know was a little wooden you know but i'm able to look past Sorry, that Darren, i couldn't and... hear you without the screaming soundtrack playing well yes yes dun, but i mean dun, as we've been dun. doing our our uh, essential trek i mean that's helping us revisit what we really enjoy about well so far seasons one through three so yeah, there's always going to be a bit of an allowance with something you enjoy but it doesn't make you enjoy it any less and you know daniel i, I often think about people you know on, on trek fm or, or all of all fandoms of trek you know when they talk about tos it's always like well you know there's some you know maybe some sectism you know, whatever the, the you, you make allowances, see the bigger message, you know, TNG almost 30 years ago at this point, you know, do you still see things of like, okay, yeah, there's times, or do you think we still have to like, always like give a little asterisk explanation to something about our favorite show? <laughs> Code of honor. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, of course there's, there's always things. Oh, and there always will be because they're the writers and the directors and producers will, We'll have blind spots or things that they don't think about or, or whatever. Um, you know, on the whole, but, but even, even TOS, which, which I think suffers from that the most, obviously being a product of when it was created in the 60s. Um, I mean, Almost there are, 50 years ago, Dan. Uh, crazy, crazy how that worked out. Um, you know, there, there are, I mean, there are times that TOS, 
that every Star Trek show, but TOS specifically that we're talking about right now, just, I mean, knocked it out of the parks, you know, was perfect, essentially. Not perfect, but was was so great, was so much better than the sum of its parts. You know, there are certain episodes that you watch and you're like, man, this is so good. And there's and you kind of, there are no things that you have to forgive. And it's the same thing with every series, and it's the same thing with TNV. You know, if you watch, you know, The Drumhead or, or you know, uh, Measure of a Man, it's like, yeah, you know, really... I, we're always giving a little bit of conceit, I think, to Star Trek because these are people walking around in funny pajama pants and stuff. Uh, so, but besides that, no, I mean, it's so, when it's good, it's so 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 good that that you you overlook any flaws, you not overlook them, but but you can look past them, certainly. Right, and I, mean, I think about the fact that a lot, or some, or a lot of the of TNG is very of the eighties, and by that I just mean. Um, Picard's character, who is mostly nonviolent, you know, seeks out um, diplomatic solutions. That's very '80s conceit, you know, sort of the kinder, gentler, you know, um, captain. Uh, and then you have um, uh, the counselor on board, uh, you know, and these are all very things that are like from from the '80s. But I think they endure. I, I think it wasn't necessarily just stuck in that time. As I'm sure there's things that were. In the '60s, that endure from TOS, and then you know the '90s that in Deep Space Nine and Voyager Ooh. still endure. Oh, carpet. carpet, carpet. Yeah, we still do use carpet, Daniel. And I think yeah, that's- not on spaceships though. Not, uh, I just I don't think. Oh yeah, on. what's a spaceship you've been on, Daniel? <laughs> I think it had to do when gravity began began on spaceships. I mean, without gravity, you don't really need carpet because you don't really have a floor. See, I would think you would need it even more without gravity because you're hitting your head. Uh, well, you think well, they, they could just make astronaut. squishy metal in the future? I don't. I, I don't know what, what kind of that would be. What, that sounds totally safe. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. You have like Scotty inventing transparent aluminum. Daniel creates squishy metal. <laughs> I'm just saying it would make <laughs> sense. There are times it would work. Oh goodness. Okay, so since we are talking about the enduring popularity, let's kind of just nitpick some stuff that we've talked about over three years. So, like Darren, as far as the alien, you know, outside the main characters. As far as either the aliens, whether just the ones we kind of brought over from TOS or maybe reinvented or the ones that we sort of created, what do you think are the most enduring aliens, either as a race or individuals that sort of remain like, oh, God, TNG, that's what I think of? Well, I would definitely say the Klingons and the Romulans are the top two. I mean, you have specific you know, members of those races by name that you can pull out. You know, be it Tomalok or, you know, Galron or not Galron, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> there's there's so many. And while, yes, in, in other shows like DS9 does have a lot of Klingons, I, I do feel that, you know, the, the parts that we got to see, you know, definitely turned another page for those races. And not a dark page. Um, no, no. I mean, of course, the Borg. Right? The Borg, yeah, yeah. Borg, yeah. And I mean, I ha- I was uh, uh, I was in in a movie theater, obviously, um, to to watch. Well, actually, I wasn't watching Beyond. I was there with a, my Star Trek fan group. We were just doing a fan table, and we met someone coming out of the theater, and he was like, "You know what the next Star Trek movie needs? The Borg." And we're kind of like, "I mean, I don't know for the J." Yeah, yes. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's yes. just, you know, but anyways. But was he from the future? Yes. But, but I think, but I think that does speak right to the enduring popularity of the Borg, Daniel. Bring on the Borg. I know, look, I am in the way minority. I've said this before. But, man, 
Captain Kirk versus the Borg would be so cool. Oh, man. I, in, you mix up the timeline. It makes sense, you know? Look, we're... Uh, I guess we can't say spoilers for the... Yeah, um... Just, yeah, bring on the Borg is all I'm gonna say. Let's not be that podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> for those who are first-time JJing. Yeah, well, I didn't want to say anything about Beyond, so I, I caught myself there. But yes, I love the Borg. Well, it would be... I mean, how cool would it be to have a Borg at the helm of the USS Discovery? Yeah, that would be weird. I mean, that would be weird. But I mean, yes. like, so you're like a reformed Borg? Like seven? Like, what would that look like? Yeah. I mean, like... <laughs> Maybe he just he was integrated into the chair. He just never got Jared, up. I think he you got to make it a woman character because I think that's something we need more. So a woman reformed Borg. Um, uh, maybe she could wear some. It sounds sort of like it's been done a little bit before or there. Kind of suit with uh, no room for air. Uh, how would we do that though? Um, now, now, dang on, there's one thing at least you talked about a lot, uh, if not. Uh, implicitly, but the 24th century about that TNG created a lot. You know, you had TOS, that, who, which we love and enjoy, but that TNG not a reboot? I don't know, you could use that word if you wanted to, but we created this 24th century world that then goes on for two more series. Um, what what was that that was that TNG did there with creating this new world or, or rebooting it or reshaping the 24th century of Star Trek? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's amazing world building is what it did you know of course tos did you know tos wasn't super consistent from episode to episode you know of course all star trek kind of suffers from that to a degree but you know the writing at the time wasn't wasn't at the same kind of level it was later on and you know you you know you get some recurring villains you kind of get a sense of things but sometimes they would throw some crazy wackadoo thing in there and oh wackadoo man that's that's going way back um uh, but then, yeah, of course, TNG comes along, right, and starts to create uh, an actual living, breathing kind of a universe, you know, uh, and the Federation and all this stuff. And, and of course, it, it built the, it was built on the on the bedrock of TOS. But we get to explore corners of this universe, and uh, you know, through Deep Space Nine and Voyager, um, and then, of course, hopefully soon now with Discovery. Uh, that we haven't seen before, um, although maybe not because it might be in between. I don't. We're really not sure where, where it's going to be placed yet. Um, but yeah, we're, TNG's had such brilliant world building that it was able to 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 build and, and sustain two spinoff shows off of itself um, that existed at the same time in that same universe. And that's uh, you know, not, you know, maybe like CSI has done something like that, but it's kind of unheard of. You know, that's pretty impressive for for science fiction for sure. I don't know why you said that, but then I just think of like, yeah, we're the CIS New York. Of C- no, I don't know. <laughs> we were, so we're not the original CSI, but we're the second, the second iteration. John Luke is just like putting on his sunglasses every <laughs> beginning of every episode. Deal with it. <laughs> engage. It's time to engage. <laughs> <laughs> Q, uh, who are singing ooh, this song? Q, 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 Q. Um, so who is Q? So, so Darren, if you you know imagine through some temporal you know anomaly, you get to talk to someone who has seen all of TOS and all the TOS well not all the TOS movies but you know till nineteen eighty six you know all the TOS movies <laughs> and and of course they've seen all of TAS backwards and forwards as well. And how do you explain to them what this 24th century is like? Like, they've seen all of Star Trek, but you're like, okay, 
TNG is it's going to be this whole new thing. How do you explain to them what the 24th century of Star Trek is like? I would say everything's bigger for sure, but it takes Star Trek and then turn, you know, time has progressed. So we have different allies, we have different enemies, we have bigger enemies, we have more exploring we're doing. It's still the same formula, but a larger principal cast, you know, that that's being focused on a larger ship and you get, you know, much more reoccurring guest stars. But overall, it's it's also just a longer series. So you, we just get, you know, seven seasons of this show and all of the tales it has to tell us. I'm just imagining what seven seasons of TOS would have been. Anyway, yeah, so yeah, Standard Orbit, do that one, you know. Look, Star Trek Continues is working as fast <laughs> yeah. as it can, okay? Under some, you know, vovas. Um, but, yeah, yeah, because I, I... Here's a bit.ly link to their <laughs> new download. <laughs> well, okay, TAS is what, season four, so I guess that does count, so... Okay, so, so Darren, you're, you're... I know both you and Daniel are tech guys, but I'll pick on you first. So, Darren, you know, in the, in the late 90s and 2000s, much like Future's End, States in the Voyager, this has been a time <laughs> of rapid technological advancement, apparently due to a time uh, ship crashing Lord, in the 60s. Oh. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so TOS, obviously, you know, it gets the whole, like, oh, we invented flip phones. Da, 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 da. But does the technology we see on TNG through seven years, does that still resonate? Or do we go like, yeah, okay. I would say so. If anything, just for the fact of, like, the computer. The fact of the level of voice command that they have with that is still something we haven't achieved today. I mean, I'm sorry, Siri and Cortana or whatever. It's just, we're not we're not quite there yet. But I think that's you know it almost ties into your previous question where in TOS they were still they were kind of still on that battleship submarine you know on the frontier you know had the hardships of of space travel where in Next gen, it's all those hardships have kind of it's become commonplace and and things are just easier. You know, we have recreation everywhere on this ship, but you'd be really hard to be bored. <laughs> but I think that is the that next step of we're still having these kinds of technologies infuse into our society. And unfortunately, the big difference between us and next gen is the maturity of us as a species to actually do something with it do you feel like we could not handle photon torpedoes right now oh <laughs> heck no yeah now what about you daniel i know you're a big tech guy as well what do you, 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 you is there stuff you kind of roll your eyes at now or is there stuff you, that you think still inspires people to want to make that when they grow up watch TNT? no yeah you, you do i guess it's a, a bit of both i would say um again understanding when it was created allows you to kind of see how forward thinking they were um, they just didn't see, of course, nobody did in the early 90s, see the, the kind of rapid progression of technology that we experienced, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s. So um, some of the things are cutesy, like what they got wrong. Like we talked about 17,000 pads, you know, like why would they need all of those? But the fact that they got the pad, I mean, come on, that was incredible that they got that right. You know, and, see, in the, like, in the future, there's no money, Daniel. So you can buy as many iPads as you want. <laughs> Look, Picard's cracked half those screens. So you could build them out of worthless gold. We, you know, of course, we had an entire episode about missing technology from the 24th century, uh, which is 
Episode number, insert number here. <laughs> I'm just telling uh, you guys, security cameras, great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, no, I think they were very forward thinking um, in a lot of ways. And like Darren said, specifically, the computer is, is fantastic and great. And, but I think kind of more uh, more off in our future still, but, but an interesting technology to play with is the one that they did play with the most, which is, of course, the holodeck. Uh, slash transporter slash uh, replicator technology, which is obviously still something that we're not going to achieve anytime in the near future. It's still very, very much within the realm of science fiction, but, you know, we're, we're starting to make little tiny steps towards those kinds of things. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool to see. So I think that's interesting because I feel like of all technology in TNG, Holodeck is the one most likely to happen because it's recreation-based. Right. Like, I'm sure there's people thinking of Warp Drive, but they're like, Let's see, I could try to make Faster Than Light or Cool Holodeck stuff. I want to play Dixon Hellman. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. But, uh, it's, it's, you know, today's and tomorrow's gamers, that's what they're making. I'm just looking forward to, you know, the holodeck version of Pokemon Go. I can't oh, wait. It's going to be great. That would be cool. Or maybe, like, the holodeck is your phone, and you, you see the, you know, the all the holographic things on sort of, you know, you could put the, uh, the uh, uh, goddess... You know, just in, in front of you somehow. But I'm... I guess I kid, I kid. Of course, everybody, because I know it wouldn't be a holodeck version of Pokemon Go. It would just be a holodeck version of regular Pokemon, and it would be awesome. You could just go and catch all the Pokemon. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm too excited there. All right, so Darren, I'm, you know, obviously, how we watch TV like now, this this decade, and I'm, who knows what's going to be by next year is totally different. And so, you know. It used to be you'd have your dusty VHS TNG tape you'd put in and you could watch it and spread it to all your friends. But now we have streaming, we have, you know, app, we have all that. So, like, can fans still discover TNG? Does, you know, does the streaming revolution ensure that there can be, like, first-time TNGers still? Absolutely, Philip. Actually, one of my Twitter friends, uh, his handle is at Doug Watchin, and he is actually going through TNG for the first time right now. And it is really fun to see him like he'll see kind of like live tweet it i think today he watched uh oh gosh the end of season one conspiracy and you know he is the moment where like picard starts to eat the beetles and he's like oh it's getting it's getting a little weird and then when like the the beetles crawling up the guy's arm into his mouth it's like guys it just got weirder and it's so funny because he's i don't think he's ever seen any tng and he's just taking it in episode by episode and so fun to watch. I mean, even, you know, our friend Andy, who was first time trekking. So there's definitely people out there who have not seen TNG, but it is so much more accessible now. I mean, you have it on all access, you have it on Netflix, you have it on the Blu-rays, you have it on the DVDs, you have it in so many places. It's still on reruns on sci-fi and other channels. I think it's actually 75% of BBC America programming. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it totally is. You know, I wouldn't think, BBC America is synonymous with Star Trek The Next Generation Reruns, but you know what it is? I mean, it does star a British man. I, I can see the logic. Well, he's French. Oh, remember. that's true. Oh, that's right. That's right. No. But yes, there's definitely a new people discovering there's new people discovering Enterprise, Voyager, all the shows. And so to those people, I say, enjoy it and find people who will encourage you in your watching habits and can talk about, you know, just all the nuances, but then hopefully not spoil things like I did with Andy. Right. Well, well, it's interesting because when I'm, and then, you know, I know Netflix kind of caters to the individual, 
But I swear when it looks at like, you know, what people are watching that or whatever that banner is called, I will see Next Generation pop up a lot. Um, yeah. And I don't know what that means. There's a lot of nerds watching Netflix. I don't know. Um, but, you know. There's 178 episodes, Phil. That's a, that's a lot to watch. It, it is. And they're, and they're 45 minute episodes. They're, this isn't no, you know, half hour sitcom. Uh, but, you, you know, Daniel, I was walking around um, a, a store the other day, a nerd store. Look, you know, as, as always, one eye open for Star Trek stuff. And of course, I'll see, you know, Kirk, Spock, all that stuff. And so it makes me wonder that, you know, TNG, and to me, and, and this is a fellow statement, y'all can agree or disagree, that to me, TNG is like the trick of mass appeal. So, like, you can argue that TOS is more popular. Like, when people think of Star Trek, they think Kirk, Spock, you can make a picture, right? But, like, most people who are, are who have likely seen TNG, like, they may think TOS, but have they actually ever seen an episode of TOS? And I mean, just because it's 2019, the person's age, most likely to have watched TNG. Um, so like, yeah, and I think to me, and again, this is Philip, um, diehard fans are more likely to be like, well, my favorite is Deep Space Nine or Voyager or Enterprise. While more like casual fans are more likely to like TNG. So do, do you think that's right? A, what I said, or B, why do you think that is? Yeah, well, I mean, as, as probably most listeners to our show are aware of, of how the show was produced as a syndicated show. Um, I think had a lot to do with with the popularity of it. Um, the basically the fact that you know any of these local stations could buy it up and show it at any time of the day, um, which if I remember correctly was pretty much the hours between six and eight every weekday uh, growing up. Um, you know, it, it, I think that's a huge, huge part of it. Like it was hitting right at the right time, right? The late eighties, the early nineties. You know, the cable was really getting big and 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 all of the, the the culture, I think, was just ripe for it as well. And it's just, I feel like it just was exposed to as many people as humanly possible, just the right time, you know, before um, before everybody had six trillion channels. But after you know this whole kind of syndication thing would have been able to work, it, it, it was just, I, I just think it was just the right time. I really do. And that's why everybody has seen TNG. That's why it is so popular uh, in, in pop culture. And, you know, uh, and that's speaking besides, of course, the quality of the show and stuff like that. I just think that the, the distribution was new and it was very, very effective at getting in front of a lot of people's eyeballs at, at, right, at just the right time. Yeah. And because, and, like I said, I think it, it's to me odd that people can make references who I don't think, you know, I don't think of a Star Trek fans, but they know who the Borg are. They know maybe data and picard like they will know these things i'm like really i like it 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 sort of have this maybe it's like not as deep as you know maybe like deep space niner who like knows all 50 million characters um but like it's it's sort of wide as far as tng and fandom might be a heavy word but just like people who have watched star trek they're more likely just to sit down and watch a tng than maybe the other series and maybe that's wrong i mean obviously we're doing an earl gray tng show we're a little biased here so like they're, they're like when you meet fellow Star Trek fans, what do you, what do you, what are the is there something different about people who like TNG other than versus the other series? I don't think there's necessarily anything different. Maybe the f- I mean they're better people, right? Well, we're more more attractive, I think <laughs> yeah. for sure. I mean that's that's just demonstrable. But besides that, well, I would say, at least in my experience of people I've met with like the other series, like like DS9 and Voyager and Enterprise, you have a much broader range of people who like it or dislike it. 
Whereas I, I've, it's hard for me to find people who don't at least enjoy TNG. It's kind of like, I like TNG, but this is my favorite. Or I like TNG and Voyager, you know, is really fun. But no, I, I think, like I've said several times about why I enjoyed this podcast, is that when you're able to talk that kind of deeper level track talk every week at uh, Tuesday, <laughs> no, uh, that it's a lot of fun. And so, I mean, I'm hoping to run into many people who enjoy TNG at Star Trek Las Vegas uh, coming up soon, uh, coming up this week. And I think that that's going to be a lot of fun to do. So, yeah, no, it's always fun to meet fellow Trekkies in the wild. Okay, and so let's let's talk episodes. You know, we're being very general discussion here. So this is going to be my question for y'all. What episode do you think remains as relevant today as when it aired on TNT? Uh, Measure of Man. Okay. And why? why the drum why do you think so? Why do you think so? The, both of those. Trouble with tribbles. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, Measure of Man is the person as property, and the drumhead is really should have been the sins of the father. It's a little more <laughs> accurate title, but that's basically what they're talking about. I mean, that I just spurred those out without even thinking, but there there's so many episodes in Next Gen that uh that fall into that category. What do you think, Daniel, of some that are just as relevant today? Well, yeah, I mean I was thinking drumhead immediately just because that's essentially you know it's it's security security privacy kind of stuff that we're dealing with now i mean all i think all good star trek well not all good it's hard to say that but most good star trek i mean bride of chaotica (laughs) is so relevant i think i've learned never to light candles thanks to sub rosa i'm a torch (laughs) flashlight person only you know most good star trek is uh is so, as good social commentary so and those kind of themes are can be repeated throughout right measure of man of course is is, is about it's in the slavery is about you know is uh, the rights of people um different groups of people and that is literally probably never going to go uh, out of style you know it's going to be just as relevant today as it is 20 years from now as it was 20 years ago so and of course not all because star trek is a very varied thing so it's tough to, to pin it all down like that but Certainly a lot of it has those enduring themes, I think. And then, of course, you know, TNG has this reputation, um, you know, we, we, it's, it's the cerebral one, it's, it's the nonviolent, comfortable, we all love, love each other and let's talk it out track. So, like, is that fair, you know, or is that completely wrong? Do you mean nonviolent as in, like, the no conflict between the characters? Because right. there was lots of violence as far as, you know. <laughs> People, I, said, I, I mean, that guy sitting at the helm, hands <laughs> on his cheeks. All of our villains, every movie. <laughs> I do, I think it is um, as a criticism. I understand it. Um, it's obviously not completely true. You know, uh, it, there are t- times that that TNG doesn't fit that mold. But I think overall, sure, yeah, I, I, I would agree that it's the most cerebral, probably more peace-loving, probably the most optimistic of all of the Star Treks, and all of those, those you know, people throw those out as, as criticisms occasionally, and I, I, I will defend TNG to death with those things, because those are the things I love the most. Well, I, Daniel, I, you can't defend them to the death, because that's kind of against the whole yeah, point. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're... <laughs> to the pain. <laughs> to the pain! <laughs> to the pain! <laughs> nice one. Uh, no, I, I, you know, and I love it for those uh, You know, I want it to be the most I, I, that's why I love Captain Picard because he is the most cerebral. He's the most 
thought-provoking captain. He's the, that to me in my mind, of course, maybe you think differently, that's fine. Uh, but I, I take those kinds of jabs and I, and I think of them as nothing but uh, reasons of why I love the show. Well, because it makes me think, and we discussed this a couple of minutes ago, talking about kind of TOS, TNG, and forward. You know, TNG, whether it was just because, you know, we're just going to reset everything, we're like, Klingons are allies now. But like, well, no, 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 Klingons are the bad guy. No, they're, they're allies now. I'm like, okay. but There's one right there on the yeah, bridge yeah, every week. Yeah, but, and so to me that's interesting where, you know, and I suppose this is a veiled criticism on my part, that changed with other series um, where they're the bad guys again. And so, okay, but then the, that undo the whole concept because the concept is like we're flipping everything. The bad guys are now our friends, which of course you know is the obvious metaphor between um, you know Soviets and and, and every, every everyone who's been former enemies that are now friends. But I just think that's an interesting thing that sometimes it, that's a hard concept to have the people we think of enemies are now we're going to be part of our crew now, and it's very tempting to be like. Ah, like it's cool, and we're just having conflict instead of having the having to deal with them, and then having to fall in love with them because, and then having to worry that their baby is going to be like their mom. But anyway, enough about Voyager. Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, uh, one thing we often talk about is the high definition of TNG. But now, of course, I will bring up, and you guys correct me if if you feel like I'm mischaracterizing this. So the sale, or not sale, of the TNG Blu-rays is often cited why we're not going to have Blu-ray DS9 or Blu-ray Voyager. Um, do you think, and I don't know, have you all heard that? I mean, do you think that the disappointing sales is more testament to maybe TNG isn't that popular? Or is it more, do you think it's more about, like, people just don't buy hard media anymore? Or what? what do you think, guys? Yeah, no, it's 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 Netflix. You can get yeah, you can get now, and and it wasn't this way when the discs were coming out, but now you can get HD discs. I mean, HD episodes on Netflix, and nobody buys discs anymore. I mean, and forgive me, small percentage of you listeners uh, that do buy them, because I'm sure you a lot of you do, because you know we're Star Trek fans, we're gonna buy up whatever we can. But you know, I think for the most part, the general public. You know, very rarely buys discs, uh, of, and they were extremely expensive when they first came out. So yeah, they were like a hundred and twenty dollars yeah, or something season. a season. Yeah. And and then you're like, wait a minute, so I can watch them slightly better quality, uh, actually beautiful, crisp HD. No, um, <laughs> you know, and spend There's that money. Really, no comparison. Or I can just watch them on Netflix, and now they don't even have that incentive. They can just watch them on Netflix. So no, I think that's entirely the reason that nobody really buys DVDs or, or discs anymore, and. Uh, I, I don't think I really don't think it's saying much about the popularity of TNG. I just think it's saying. I think it has more to say about the unpopularity of, of disc-based media at this point. Yeah, I agree. I think it's much more the format rather than its popularity. And again, you, if you're offering almost the exact same thing, I mean, I will still usually I have a couple seasons on Blu-ray, but I'll usually queue it up on Netflix because it's just faster. Then going, getting the disc, picking which disc has that episode on it, putting it in. But there are times when I will because it just looks so good and it does look a, a notch above streaming HD, but but not by much. And I, I mean, I I want HD 
DS9 and Voyager, but I totally get the economic. I mean, hey guys, Star Trek's a business. You know, it's it's <gasps> not. It's like some kind of I know enterprise. Oh, oh. but I I get that. But I am so glad that they they did that treatment to it and and help preserve it as well. Uh, so it's it's good. I do think too, and and I'm not the first person to think this. I'm sure there's it's been talked about on the network before, but I do think that they will eventually get around to doing Deep Space Nine and Voyager, just for posterity's sake, just just so you know it can look just as good up up against the rest of the shows. I mean. You know, they went back and obviously did TOS. So it's like when when something from 40 years ago is looking better than more recent shows. I feel they will update it at some point, I feel like. But, you know, who knows how long that'll take. Now, I mean, we're going to talk about episodes again. So, so guys, this will go to both of y'all. If, if you're just going to have somehow have this free moment, what is going to be your go-to PNG episode? You have... All the chores are done. Nothing's on your to-do list. You got Netflix in front of you. You're like, I want to watch some TNG. What episode are you just going to fire up right away? So, Daniel, what, what's your go-to TNG episode? So my favorite episode is Lower Decks, which I'm attempted to say. But one that actually came to my mind first, surprisingly, is Tapestry. Hmm. Uh, because it's, uh, it's great. It's obviously a fantastic episode. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, also has a really good message and is very character driven <clears throat> as well. It's kind of, yeah, you know, it's kind of an amazing episode. So uh, I won't say Lower Decks because it is my favorite episode. The easy answer. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Tapestry. I, I like how you love PNG so much. Your favorite episode was when none of the characters are in it. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now, Darren, what about actually you? both of those episodes have yeah, very, very little. Um, they feature very little of the actual main cast. It's funny. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Darren, what about you? What's your go to TNG episode that nobody's in? <laughs> You're like inner light. I feel like Riker got his good five seconds. <laughs> but honestly, the first one that came to mind was just like peak performance. Because it's just, it's a really fun episode. The A plot and the B plot are both really strong. You know, versus, you know, Data's uh, Stratagema championship versus, you know, Will Riker sitting in the captain's chair again. He does sit in the captain's chair a couple times. It's just usually against the Enterprise. But I do have to say that is one of my favorite Earl Grey covers. Riker used to cheat. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yeah. What about what about yeah, you, Philip? Which one would you pop you know, my, in? My first thing I want to say is always family. Um, I thought about family too, and I was like, it's a little too dark it, just well, to just pop well, in. I mean, I would say dark, heavy. It's heavy, heavy. Um, yeah, heavy. Yeah. And so I, you, I guess Deep. you have to be in a certain mood um, to, to to put that on. Um, so just like for fun, I don't know because um, I mean, I, there's so many choices. Obviously, I can't really think of one. That I would probably, you know, like me, I, I would at this point in my fandom, I would probably watch something I don't remember as well. Like, like we've been talking about the most toys uh, recently. Well, mm-hmm. I haven't watched that. I don't. It's, it's not an episode I really know very well. I mean, I know it, but like, I would be like, you know, I want to watch that. I don't think I really remember it that well. So, well, Philip has homework. He's going to go watch the most toys. Exactly. So, uh... Daniel's got to get his uh, Lieutenant J cosplay ready. <laughs> oh, so now here's a, we're going to reverse this question. So it's again, TNG episodes is the category. But what episode, if, if you wanted to show someone, and you can, in your mind, you can say either they're already a TNG 
are a Star Trek fan or they're not, what episode do you think best represents TNG? Didn't we already have an episode about this? I feel like we have. Some so then you should know the, the answer, shouldn't you, Darren? Oh, it's probably season one of E and e of EG. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, Trek on the first date was what I think you're thinking of. But but what, what what's going to be your episode that you and not necessarily for the person, but you think this best represents TNG? You know, I think it's it's tempting to say like best of both worlds, and maybe that's the answer. I don't know. Um, and then and then you don't show them the second part because be like, hey, I just I just <laughs> what what did your appetite for you? You got to figure you know it out. How it is. <laughs> you know how it is. Um, but what what about y'all? What would you say was is a? It doesn't have to be the, but a episode that represents TNG the best. Um, you measure the man we've already said, so I'll keep that away. You're you're going to be a little surprised with my answer here. I mean, mask, Daniel, really? No, no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, oh my goodness, now I can't remember the name of the episode. Q. No. Pen. Uh, no. What is the one with the the one I always talk about? The one with uh, the proto. Who watches the watchers? Who watches the watchers? Thank you, thank you, Darren. <laughs> Who watches the watchers? Is my answer. Uh, that's okay. what came up first in my. It's obviously not his favorite because he doesn't remember the title. I, I mean, do. obviously the answer is justice. I didn't want to like blurt it out, <laughs> but I love that episode so 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 much, and we've talked a bazillion times about it. Um, you know, it's great. It's to me, it's very very TNG essency. Um, and to me, that's what when I like think about it, I'm like, yeah, that's what I that's what I think of when I think of TNG. You, you know, think of people bargaining with Troy for Riker's service. I think of Picard getting shot in the chest. Uh, yeah, no, there's a lot. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Duck blinds, right? A, wor- a word that I did not know existed before TNG. Oh, see, now we can always tell who goes out hunt. Yeah, not me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, that's that's. That would be the first thing that popped into my head. Mm-hmm. What about you, Darren? I I would say it's it's kind of a little unorthodox because you get a little bit more out of it if you if you know a lot more of Trek, but it does enter it does have a lot of Star Trekiness to it. But I would say uh, yesterday's Enterprise. Oh, very good. So you get the time shift and you get the, you know, you, definitely at the beginning you're going to be like, what the heck is going on? Because the majority of the episode is not our characters. They're their mirror or uh, whatever. Because you love TNG so much, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> but I think just the, the choices they make and uh, I think that'd be a good start. And then whatever you compare it to in your second episode would really show you know, we're not this military dystopian, you know, sadness. This is, this is, and then you, I don't know, go to, go to a fun episode. Like, I, see, I always thought you guys were going to go with Macduff because there you get to discover <laughs> oh the gosh. characters in the conundrum. You're like, you get to see them actually literally discover themselves. Uh, and Macduff is there yeah. and that's all that matters. <laughs> or I would say disaster. Oh, uh, you know, that is oh, actually a great choice. That is yeah. actually a really great choice. I would say that. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, actually, no. I I, I say disaster would be better because you you get the you you there are actually our characters. They're not again the the alt versions, but you have the captain and he's dealing. They're all dealing with their hardships. And Data, they, I'm they not going to take well. off your head. <laughs> well, I can't take your head off, sir. So. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay, guys. Well, well, we've certainly been having a great discussion here. So. 
I'm just going to do this final question, which I think is kind of the ultimate question here, um, to each of you. If someone, in this case it's me, because I'm talking right now, if someone asked you why you do a weekly podcast to talk about TNG for three years with people you've never met in real life before each and every week, how do you explain that? So I'll go first. So, A, because I don't ever get to talk about it with anyone else. Um, that's, that's, that's a large part right there. I have so many things to say, guys. Um, but I, I think, I don't know. And it's, it's all very personal, I suppose. And, uh, and sometimes I wonder, you know, as we're talking about the popularity of TNG, we're all relatively the same age. So maybe we're just very of the time. And, and maybe it's not fair. The reason TNG is so popular is because we grew up in the, in the 80s and 90s. That's fine. Um, so maybe that's no more than that. But I, it, to me, it's, it's, it is the characters and the situations in the world and, and the struggles and the way it made you think as, as a 10-year-old, you know, that taught me how to see the world um, for, for good or for ill. And so that's how I see the world a lot of the ways now. You know, other, other influences I had as I grew up, of course. And so, but to me, that's, that's how, sort of taught me how to see the world, how to be ideal about the world, how to deal with situations and conflicts, and, and, and Romulans. I mean, that came up a lot in the 20s. Um, I don't want to talk about it, though. It's a dark time. Um, but, uh... The uh, darkest time? Yeah. It's cloaked with, with many... Um, but, but, and I, so, to me, that's, that's sort of just is the legacy for me, the enduring popularity of, of PNG, because it just comes up, even in the episodes in and of itself, but just like, oh, this reminds me of that episode, or this dilemma, or this character, or what would Jordy really you know and uh things like that and so that's why i enjoy talking about it, and that's why i enjoy being so much because it taught me how to see the world. um but but darren what about you why why do you do that? well i think that even though you haven't met someone in person doesn't mean you can't be friends i've learned that through uh Pen pals. Uh, no. <laughs> is that what this whole thing has been the whole time? <laughs> you know, my hand's been right over the button to close this conversation for like three years. Wait, do, do you have like a just, discussion just... with your family about what they're... <laughs> this whole family's in that room right there. They've heard us now, Philip. They can't hang out. <laughs> but no, I think, I mean, one of the reasons I really like TNG, especially nowadays, I mean, there's a lot of good sci-fi out there nowadays, but a lot of it shifts more towards again that that darker future that dystopian and you know sometimes i'm i'm tired of that cup and i want to go back to uh, the optimistic future of star trek which i think is one of the things that really sets star trek apart and especially tng it just really is is optimistic and and look how far we've come and look at what we can strive for i mean people talk about representation in, in television and film being important, I want to see representation of our species. But yeah, so I just, I want to see that representation of us, of humanity being something better. And, and then it's just a lot of fun, the characters. I mean, how many times do we talk about that Star Trek is the characters? And, and the ships, which become characters themselves. I mean, they have babies. And they do. They do. And they, <laughs> but all, all of that to say, you know, it, the best reason to do a podcast, in my opinion, is when you're able to have that deeper discussion about any topic, be it sports, be it sci-fi, you know, be it movies, be it politics, or whatever you want to talk about. 
when you're able to really be yourself and how much you truly enjoy something while you're talking about it, you know, that's, that's fun. You don't have to guard, you don't have to, you know, be like, oh, well, what's this person going to think? No, they're, they're just as deep into it as you are. And except for Philip, who's been bluffing this whole time, (laughs) but no, no, it's, it's, that's why. Wrong again, Albert. (laughs) But that's why I've been podcasting, you know, so far uh, for these last three years. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. All right, Daniel, for, for trivia for our listeners, of course, Daniel hosted the very first episode of Earl Grace. We will give him the last word here on this answer and question. So Daniel, why? You know, it's it's interesting that the start of the question you framed it as as you know we all meet people in our lives, and, and I'm sure you guys have, and they ask, you know, they find out you're a part of the show. Maybe they see it on the internet or, or whatever, or you tell them. Maybe you hand them a business. Maybe card. Maybe hand them a card. You know, whatever, and you tell them. And, and look, I just got to be home by Monday night, is what I'm saying. Okay, guys. <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe you enter into a relationship with you get a new friend or girlfriend or whatever, and. You have to you have to be somewhere Monday nights for the next three years, um, you know, and uh, you have to explain that. And and it's like you 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 reach this cross, right? You're given this this question: Why do you what what do you do, what do you do? What why do you do it? And you 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 kind of have to make that decision at that point. Now, there's a diplomatic answer: uh, It's Star Trek. I like it. You know, it's just something I do for fun. Blah 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 blah. Just easy, quick answers that you can shoot off. But what you're asking for is the real answer, and 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 the the more direct answer and the, and the deeper the deeper answer and the more emotional answer and and I can only echo what you both have said and it's it's we do this because we have a love for this property and because it is amazing to get to talk about these things every week with someone as with people as passionate as you are you know uh, not all of us have access to those kinds of people uh, geographically close to us that we can kind of just go out and, and talk to and and maybe we, you know, we have our network of friends and stuff. Maybe they're not into Star Trek, you know. Maybe maybe we don't have that kind of connection. But the fact that we have made these connections over vast distances and and coasts from coast to coast, right? Uh, and it, it's it's for that reason because because I get to talk about this optimistic future with people who feel the same way, not the same way about everything, but the same. They have the same love for it that I do, and that is a unique privilege that I, I have enjoyed these past three years. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I will never take that for granted. Well, the enduring popularity of Star Trek The Next Generation is all we've been talking about for these three years. But here's a quick look <laughs> at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network here at Trek.fm. Previously on Trek.fm, to the journey! He tweets out, you know, like, hey, walking around with my mobile emitter, you know, hashtag blessed. You know, it's just, I'm sure that's what he's doing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yep, yep. He's, uh, he's taking photos of his holographic non-dinner. The 602 Club. And even the book started this way. And I remember reading the book and being like, what the F is going on? Because it's just such a strange scene. You know, this muggle caretaker in this house making tea and... You're like, what is happening? But really what's being set up is this bookend of Voldemort looming over everything and finally finding a way to return. Stage 9, a podcast about the people who make Star Trek.
every every chance they have to get him off the bridge of that ship and have him running around on some planet or shooting some guy or jumping on something, they do. And it's like, he's got that chair there. It looks really comfortable. Let's have him sit in it for a while and command a starship. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. You can listen to every show on the network at Trek.fm with links for iTunes, streaming services, and a direct download link. This week of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com. This is a great way for you to read all of the books you want to read but never have time for. Audible is always expanding with over 150,000 titles to choose from. There are classics, current bestsellers, and famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation. Audible has something for everyone. Now, as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to try out Audible yourself. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read. To support Trek FM, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Thank you, Audible, for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. If you are a weekly listener and would like to directly help Earl Grey, please consider becoming a patron of Trek FM. At patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose a pledge level and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. You'll be inside the observation lounge of our network, able to participate in our monthly patron roundtable podcasts, and supporting the production of all of our great content. We would like to take this moment to thank our current patron associate producers, Stephen Boyd and Ron Sarna. Thank you for supporting Earl Grey. Connect with other Trek FM listeners on our Facebook discussion group called The Babel Conference, found through the Facebook search field, or like the facebook.com slash trekfm page for show updates and announcements. The network is also on Twitter, at TrekFM. All right, Darren, when people want to talk to you about why you love being in the captain's chair at a tri-weekly basis, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter under username DrSciFi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. All right. And Daniel, when people want to ask you why you shirk your duties about being in a captain's chair at a two-thirds weekly basis, where can people talk to you? Well, as you mentioned before, I'm, I uh, was the first to host, um, and that is the number one, not the word, as in one-up Dan on Twitter. All right. And if people want to ask why I always do the indirect method of hosting so I don't actually have to answer questions, they can find more business strategies from me um, at my handle on Twitter, which is NC Public Servant. That's NC for North Carolina. Well, like we said, this is the last episode until we all meet in Vegas, and so we hope to bring you... Um, some exciting shows um, from Star Trek Las Vegas uh, next when you hear Earl Grey. So until then, make it so. Endgame. Live long and prosper. Fire. Fire.